Chapter 9 of Characters from Sketches by Bors. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Morgan Scorpion. Sketches by Bars by Charles Dickens. Illustrations by George Cruikshank. Chapter 9 of Characters. THE DANCING ACADEMY Of all the dancing academies that ever were established, there never was one more popular in its immediate vicinity than Signor Bill Smithy's of the King's Theatre. It was not in Spring Gardens, or Newman Street, or Berners Street, or Gower Street, or Charlotte Street, or Percy Street, or any other of the numerous streets which have been devoted time out of mind to professional people, dispensaries, and boarding-houses. It was not in the West End at all. It rather approximated to the eastern portion of London, being situated in the populous and improving neighbourhood of Gray's Inn Lane. It was not a dear dancing academy. Four and sixpence a quarter is decidedly cheap upon the whole. It was very select, the number of pupils being strictly limited to seventy-five, and a quarter's payment in advance being rigidly exacted. There was public tuition and private tuition, an assembly room and a parlour. Signor Billsmethy's family were always thrown in with the parlour, and included in parlour price. That is to say, a private pupil had Signor Billsmethy's parlour to dance in, and Signor Billsmethy's family to dance with, and when he had been sufficiently broken in in the parlour, he began to run in couples in the assembly room. Such was the dancing academy of Signor Bill Smithy, when Mr. Augustus Cooper of Fetter Lane first saw an unstamped advertisement walking leisurely down Holborn Hill, announcing to the world that Signor Bill Smithy of the King's Theatre intended opening for the season with a grand ball. Now Mr. Augustus Cooper was in the oil and colour line, just of age, with a little money, a little business, and a little mother who, having managed her husband and his business in his lifetime, took to managing her son and his business after his decease, and so, somehow or other, he had been cooped up in the little back parlour behind the shop on weekdays, and in a little deal box without a lid, called by courtesy a pew, at Bethel Chapel on Sundays, and had seen no more of the world than if he had been an infant all his days, whereas young White, at the gas-fitters over the way, three years younger than him, had been flaring away like Winkin, going to the theatre, supping at harmonic meetings, eating oysters by the barrel, drinking stout by the gallon, even out all night, and coming home as cool in the morning as if nothing had happened. So Mr. Augustus Cooper made up his mind that he would not stand it any longer, and had that very morning expressed to his mother a firm determination to be blowed in the event of his not being instantly provided with a street-door key and he was walking down Holborn Hill, thinking about all these things, and wondering how he could manage to get introduced into genteel society for the first time, when his eyes rested on Signor Bill Smethy's announcement, which it immediately struck him was just the very thing he wanted. For he should not only be able to select a genteel circle of acquaintance at once, out of the five and seventy pupils at four and sixpence a quarter, but should qualify himself at the same time to go through a hornpipe in private society, with perfect ease to himself and great delight to his friends. So he stopped the unstamped advertisement, 
an animated sandwich composed of a boy between two boards and having procured a very small card with the signor's address indented thereon walked straight at once to the signor's house and very fast he walked too for fear the list should be filled up and the five-and-seventy completed before he got there the signor was at home and what was still more gratifying he was an englishman such a nice man and so polite the list was not full but it was a most extraordinary circumstance that there was only just one vacancy and even that one would have been filled up that very morning only signor bill smethy was dissatisfied with the reference and being very much afraid that the lady wasn't select wouldn't take her and very much delighted i am mr cooper said signor bill smethy that i did not take her i assure you mr cooper i don't say it to flatter you for i know you're above it that i consider myself extremely fortunate in having a gentleman of your manners and appearance sir i am very glad of it too sir said augustus cooper and i hope we shall be better acquainted sir said signor bill smethy and i'm sure i hope we shall too sir responded augustus cooper just then the door opened and in came a young lady with her hair curled in a crop all over her head and her shoes tied in sandals all over her ankles don't run away my dear said signor bill smethy for the young lady didn't know mr cooper was there when she ran in and was going to run out again in her modesty all in confusion like don't run away my dear said signor bill smethy this is mr cooper mr cooper of fetter lane mr cooper my daughter sir miss bill smethy sir who i hope will have the pleasure of dancing many a quadrille minuet gavotte country dance fandango double hornpipe and faringahol cajingo with you sir she dances them all sir and so shall you sir before you're a quarter older sir and signor bill smethy slapped mr augustus cooper on the back as if he had known him a dozen years so friendly and mr cooper bowed to the young lady and the young lady curtsied to him and signor bill smethy said they were as handsome a pair as ever he'd wished to see upon which the young lady exclaimed law pa and blushed as red as mr cooper himself you might have thought they were both standing under a red lamp at a chemist's shop and before mr cooper went away it was settled that he should join the family circle that very night taking them just as they were no ceremony or nonsense of that kind and learn his positions in order that he might lose no time and be able to come out at the forthcoming ball well mr augustus cooper went away to one of the cheap shoemakers shops in holborn where gentlemen's dress pumps are seven and sixpence and men's strong walking just nothing at all and bought a pair of the regular seven and sixpenny long quartered town maids in which he astonished himself quite as much as his mother and sallied forth to signor bill smethy's there were four other private pupils in the parlour two ladies and two gentlemen such nice people not a bit of pride about them one of the ladies in particular who was in training for a columbine was remarkably affable and she and miss bill smethy took such an interest in mr augustus cooper and joked and smiled and looked so bewitching that he got quite at home and learnt his steps in no time after the practising was over signor bill smethy and miss bill smethy and master bill smethy and a young lady and the two ladies and the two gentlemen danced a quadrille none of your slipping and sliding about but regular warm work 
flying into corners and diving among chairs and shooting out at the door, something like dancing. Signor Billsmethy, in particular, notwithstanding his having a little fiddle to play all the time, was out on the landing every figure, and Master Billsmethy, when everybody else was breathless, danced a hornpipe with a cane in his hand and a cheese-plate on his head, to the unqualified admiration of the whole company. Then Signor Billsmethy insisted, as they were so happy, that they should all stay to supper, and proposed sending Master Billsmethy for the beer and spirits, whereupon the two gentlemen swore, strike em vulgar if they'd stand that, and were just going to quarrel who should pay for it, when Mr. Augustus Cooper said he would, if they'd have the kindness to allow him, and they had the kindness to allow him, and Master Bill Smethy brought the beer in a can, and the rum in a quart pot. They had a regular night of it, and Miss Bill Smethy squeezed Mr. Augustus Cooper's hand under the table, and Mr. Augustus Cooper returned the squeeze, and returned home too, at something to six o'clock in the morning, when he was put to bed by main force by the apprentice, after repeatedly expressing an uncontrollable desire to pitch his revered parent out of the second-floor window, and to throttle the apprentice with his own neck-handkerchief. Weeks had worn on, and the seven-and-sixpenny town-maids had nearly worn out, when the night arrived for the grand dress-ball, at which the whole of the five-and-seventy pupils were to meet together, for the first time that season, and to take out some portion of their respective four-and-sixpences in lamp-oil and fiddlers. Mr. Augustus Cooper had ordered a new coat for the occasion, a two-pound tenor from Turnstile. It was his first appearance in public, and, after a grand Sicilian shawl-dance by fourteen young ladies in character, he was to open the quadrille department with Miss Bill Smethy herself, with whom he had become quite intimate since his first introduction. It was a night. Everything was admirably arranged. The sandwich-boy took the hats and bonnets at the street-door. There was a turn-up bedstead in the back parlour, on which Miss Bill Smethy made tea and coffee for such of the gentlemen as chose to pay for it, and such of the ladies as the gentlemen treated. Red port wine negus and lemonade were handed round at eighteen pence a head, and in pursuance of a previous engagement with the public house at the corner of the street, an extra pot-boy was laid on for the occasion. In short, nothing could exceed the arrangements, except the company. Such ladies! such pink silk stockings, such artificial flowers, such a number of cabs. No sooner had one's cab set down a couple of ladies, than another cab drove up and set down another couple of ladies, and they all knew, not only one another, but the majority of the gentlemen into the bargain, which made it all as pleasant and lively as could be. Signor Billsmethy, in black tights, with a large blue bow in his buttonhole, introduced the ladies to such of the gentlemen as were strangers, and the ladies talked away and laughed as they did. It was delightful to see them. As to the shawl-dance, it was the most exciting thing that ever was beheld. There was such a whisking and rustling and fanning, and getting ladies into a tangle with artificial flowers, and then disentangling them again. And as to Mr. Augustus Cooper's share in the quadrille, he got through it admirably. He was missing from his partner now and then, certainly, and discovered on such occasions to be either dancing with laudable perseverance in another set, or sliding about in perspective, without any definite object, but, generally speaking, they managed to shove him through the figure until he turned up in the right place. Be this as it may, when he had finished, 
a great many ladies and gentlemen came up and complimented him very much, and said they had never seen a beginner do anything like it before, and Mr. Augustus Cooper was perfectly satisfied with himself and everybody else into the bargain, and stood considerable quantities of spirits and water, negus and compounds, for the use and behoof of two or three dozen very particular friends, selected from the select circle of five-and-seventy pupils. Now, whether it was through the strength of the compounds, or the beauty of the ladies, or what not, it did so happen that Mr. Augustus Cooper encouraged, rather than repelled, the very flattering attentions of a young lady in brown gauze over white calico, who had appeared particularly struck with him from the first, and when the encouragements had been prolonged for some time, Miss Bill Smethy betrayed her spite and jealousy thereat, by calling the young lady in brown gauze a creature, which induced the young lady in brown gauze to retort, in certain sentences containing a taunt, founded on the payment of four and sixpence a quarter, which reference Mr. Augustus Cooper, being then and there in a state of considerable bewilderment, expressed his entire concurrence in. Miss Bill Smethy, thus renounced, forthwith began screaming in the loudest key of her voice, at the rate of fourteen screams a minute, and, being unsuccessful in an onslaught on the eyes and face, first of the lady in gauze, and then of Mr. Augustus Cooper, called distractedly on the other three-and-seventy pupils to furnish her with oxalic acid for her own private drinking, and the call, not being honoured, made another rush at Mr. Cooper, and then had her stay-lace cut, and was carried off to bed. Mr. Augustus Cooper, not being remarkable for quickness of apprehension, was at a loss to understand what all this meant, until Signor Billsmethy explained it in a most satisfactory manner, by stating to the pupils that Mr. Augustus Cooper had made and confirmed diverse promises of marriage to his daughter on diverse occasions, and had now basely deserted her, on which the indignation of the pupils became universal, and as several chivalrous gentlemen inquired rather pressingly of Mr. Augustus Cooper whether he required anything for his own use, or, in other words, whether he wanted anything for himself, he deemed it prudent to make a precipitate retreat. And the upshot of the matter was that a lawyer's letter came next day, and an action was commenced next week, and that Mr. Augustus Cooper, after walking twice to the Serpentine for the purpose of drowning himself, and coming back twice without doing it, made a confidant of his mother, who compromised the matter with twenty pounds from the till, which made twenty pounds four shillings and sixpence paid to Signor Billsmethy, exclusive of treats and pumps and Mr. Augustus Cooper went back and lived with his mother, and there he lives to this day, and as he has lost his ambition for society, and never goes into the world, he will never see this account of himself, and will never be any the wiser. End of chapter 9 of Characters From Sketches by Boz.